Okay, so today we are going to be talking about a very complicated topic to describe, really. It's kind of just um, prejudice within the health sector, really, with BIPOC community members, whether it be with mental health or just normal physical health in any way, shape, or form. Okay, um, so basically, I feel like being, like, at least citizens in a Western place, place it's like obviously we're socialized into these concepts that might not be available or like seen like culturally um on the same ground like for example like like said like previously before in podcasts is that mental health and illness for example has still it's still a bio-western dominated and um i guess researched in western rather than in other like for example in my culture um in chinese ethnicity there is still these, there's obviously the stigma. There is also the lack of, I, I wouldn't want to say faith, but lack of um, usage of such terms. And especially with like physical, like there's different physical care, but there's also different mental health care provided due to the difference in what people believe in, like whether it's science or whether it's religion-based things. And I feel that's dangerous um, because for some people, like they see things online, pretend social media where they follow certain things, pretend like I, as a like, Chinese Canadian citizen, I see concepts of mental health and illness, like pages on social media, kind of explaining what they are. And then I understand them where with my Canadian identity, but when it comes to my Chinese identity, where I'm trying to explain maybe to relative and family that's other and outside of Canada it's a little difficult because there's no words to describe them and it just seems kind of for example in their eyes it can seem foolish because we have different values and beliefs 100% can 100% relate to that it's definitely been a struggle trying to explain to my family that I'm OCD and they're just like you just like things neat but you're so messy I'm like that's not what it is that's not what it is and so the thing is though that irks me about that is that I should have been, for example, diagnosed much earlier, much, much, much earlier. And the reason I wasn't is because the research never really highlighted how it shows up for people in different communities or all the different variants in the ways that it did. And um, and I feel like a lot of BIPOC community members really struggle to get specific diagnoses for certain things because it actually shows up very differently for different cultures actually um which is it it's it's worrying that we don't have the general like average set for every community and every culture so that way it's just much easier for us to get diagnosed or get the help that we actually need kind of thing and it's like Mental health shouldn't, like, I don't want to say discriminate, but it's just BIPOC communities, like, as members, we have a much more difficult um, time getting the care that we need, like, mount, like like the previous podcast that we talked about, about mental health. Mental health is such an important topic that people need to talk about, and like um, Farah said, it needs to be, since there isn't enough research done in accordance to, like, BIPOC people, like, because majority of the research that is conducted is mainly for like our other like western counterparts and like when we go in they're like yeah you could have this but we're gonna push it off and like 
say other things and then we're just gonna push on and then because of that since there's like i want to see a poor like there it's just a low quality of care in my terms like people aren't taking the required actions that need to be taken so people get diagnosed a lot quicker and other than that um people don't have like access to these like services like it's so much harder to find someone um uh, like for me at least I wanted someone from the same background as me because it would be a lot easier to talk about like certain trauma that I went through as a South Asian person that uh like a worse a western person wouldn't technically understand or like relate to on like a personal level so like I really struggled finding the right therapist and I just wish that it was a lot easier because it took at least two or three therapists to find the right one and it doesn't make sense like I'm not saying that like they obviously studied and they went through everything and then they're like they're a registered therapist it's just I didn't get the type of like the quality of care that I wanted to in the first place. Yeah, I think like when we're talking about mental health or just like it's I don't know, it's it's such a big umbrella because there's so many like intersections that we have to face as a BIPOC person. So like the first one is like how hard it is, like the mental health challenges you have just navigating like the Western countries as a BIPOC person. So like the anxiety affiliated with being the only person of color in white spaces um, because we are the minorities. And sometimes like you've ever been to like a small town and you're like visibly the only minority and suddenly you're just like, (laughs) okay, be on my best behavior because everything I do is gonna be used against the next person that looks like me. Are they gonna think I'm a threat? What are they gonna say to me? Are they gonna try and touch my hair? And like, you're just always anxious and even that in itself presents itself in workplaces, especially when you're the only POC represented and you're used as like the model minority or people will be like, oh, but you're not like X, Y, Z people. So they feel comfortable telling you things or saying things. And I even remember in school, like teachers saying things like, you're different black kid, you actually do your homework. And I'm like, wait, what? I do my homework because my mom watches me do my homework, not because <laughs> of anything, right? And it's like that anxiety and like even as a young child having to deal with that it, it's just ingrained with you and you just kind of keep going and navigating society so there's like that one level of like anxiety and depression that you face being like the only person and nobody else understanding you're being insensitive then there's like navigating mental health within our own communities which we've all kind of like spoken about how hard are the challenges we have and I think for a lot of us too is because our parents have undiagnosed mental health conditions um, because they're in survival mode, um, trying to like, you know, make the best with what they have. And it's hard for them to understand you when they've not even understood their own traumas. And it creates like generational traumas real. Like it's literally our parents like not knowing what to do with themselves and then passing that on. And then like, the third thing I wanted to touch on is just like how mental health is perceived when you're a person of color too. So like often at times our mental health issues are perceived as more dangerous or easily more dismissive. And I think about like um, Abdiraham Abdi, who is like from Ottawa and he had a mental health condition and, you know, he ended up dying um, in a situation that would have been handled completely different if he wasn't a black man. Um, And so when you're, or even like that Pakistani man, I can't remember in, Mississauga last year um, and that incident happened is just like the way in which we're viewed when we have mental health issues is different. It's either we're dismissed for our concerns because 
therapist can't relate to them, like having anxiety because everybody's white and you're worried that or and or they're going to say things, whether it's microaggression and you're always anxious and it's like being dismissed because the therapists don't understand what kind of experience that is and or being seen as extremely dangerous because we're navigating everything at an intersection. So with an intersection of identities. But yeah, That's why it's like incredibly important to have resources available for the BIPOC community that it, it like it, it's not enough in my opinion to be a therapist a qualified therapist sometimes it's not enough you really have to learn about the cultural differences about your own cultural bias and how to relate to other cultures how to see them from a different way and how to not make them feel judged or or misunderstood because there have been many times for example where I've gone to a therapist and they they've shifted my perspective in a way to make me feel like my culture was wrong and and I found that really aggressive and there was no need for that in any way shape or form like and I feel like it's very important to include the education of different cultures within like that school of medicine because otherwise you end up leaving the person feeling more ostracized than they already were um but in terms of what Rose was saying um it it it, it can be very difficult to navigate the um the intersections of our identities and it, it can also be like I think as I was brought up with the idea of like you have to present yourself to foreigners like as something good because every time they think of Egyptians they'll think of you and that's something I always was told like I was I was that was like coached into me and it's so ridiculous that we have to put up this facade <laughs> of perfection like we're not human and and it's just like unless we fit this perfect mold and we're not mentally ill or we're not struggling in any way, shape or form, we're then seen as a threat, which I think is really unfair. Like, obviously it's really unfair, obviously, but I, I, I just think it, it's like we're being punished for, for struggling in a way while like the majority of the population doesn't, they don't, they don't get punished for their struggling. They get, they get support, they get care, they get the medical system, like supporting them in every way, shape and form, but we're left struggling. I don't, yeah. Um. So between Rosie and Farah, there is the like mental health part where it is either dismissed or underrepresented based on just categories because um, some of them, some of the researchers to be honest, um, I've seen actually is because they're kind of afraid of pushing on the idea of mental health and illness. Like some of them haven't even learned to, which is why they would either like under report or not know it themselves. So they won't enter into statistics. Um, but I think also the thing that doesn't get understood, not even just if we're lowering it, doesn't even like, it's not just the therapist part, even to like normal communication with like people who aren't from like, the same culture or that is that they don't sometimes there's just this awkward stance of them not wanting to talk about topics that like are sensitive because they are afraid that they're going to get something wrong I don't know if like I'm trying to talk like okay so what's okay so citizens who are um have been longer in the western world I guess are saying like that is that mental health physical health all these things are important but they, we have different ways of being able to access it. We have different ways of 
what happens during these sessions, including with sessions with like doctors, not just like, I'm not talking about like therapists anymore, like not just mental health, but physical health is that we, sometimes they don't understand. Okay, language barrier is a big thing. I'm gonna talk about physical health now. Actually, screw it. We're gonna talk about physical health. Is that, for example, I have gone into doctor appointments with my mom and then I will, she has always been afraid of getting doctors that are Western, Western, but she's also, it's just because the big fear of how, if they're gonna be hostile, if they're gonna understand like what she's trying to say, but also like dismissing her, like the mental health said thing earlier is that they'll dismiss what they are because they think they're overthinking. I feel like that's a big thing with um, the healthcare. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying the healthcare system is bad or good, but there needs to be improvement for the BIPOC community that um, are already having a hard time kind of integrating, not integrating, but like integrating in society, getting what they need, um, especially in healthcare, which is so crucial to like, some like everyone's lives another thing is that therapy is not cheap first of all like in order to like even get therapy it's expensive like and then not getting the care that you paid for and it's just it's just like they help yes i'm not saying that they don't help like certain like certain topics that they can actually help you it's just like there's certain topics that you can't talk about because like you're just worried that like Aaron said and everyone said like you'll just get dismissed or like it's uncomfortable like I genuinely feel uncomfortable and talking about it I'm just like what if they judge me or like what if they just in like what if they just think it's not like they invalidate it of like it not being a problem but like for me like I just think it over and over and over and like I just like torture myself with it so I'm like when I have someone to talk about it I want to get like in a really deep conversation like like connect and have a good conversation going that's how I open up I can't just be like I'm gonna say everything and then just listen like I need to have like a proper conversation like when I don't have that I just it's just it doesn't feel like I'm my needs are being met and the like what Aaron was talking about is like like the conscious of like language of like like language like the way that we communicate is through language so like when something that you interpretate doesn't come out the same way like when I think of something I translate it between two languages and then when I say it out loud in English the meaning completely changes and then the other person's like they get it but then they don't get it and it's just hard to describe because it's just there's a language barrier, even if you're fluent in English. You know, actually on the flip side of this argument, I've just been thinking about, it's really weird actually, because most of the time I want the person to be very educated about my culture. But then if, for example, my doctor is Arab, I fear their judgment. I actually fear their judgment. I get that, yes. Yeah, so I fear fear that if I talk about, you know, sexual health or something like that, I'm just like, no, I am not talking about Mm -hmm. this you. And it's the same thing. I feel like the same thing with therapists. My mom actually got me go to, initially she was very adamant on me seeking uh, therapy from an Arabic therapist. But for some reason, because... I knew they were from my culture. I felt uneasy. 
in the weirdest I don't know how to describe that I felt uneasy because they know about the taboos and they know about and they were they were most likely raised with the same taboos and the same ideals so anything that I I do or that strays away from that it it makes it even harder for me to open up about which is why I think it's really 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 important to educate just to educate them about like all therapists about cultures Mm -hmm. all therapists about not judging anything like it's really important I also think like it's in part because like we don't we don't see a lot of ourselves represented in therapy because we've not had the opportunities to go to school to be a psychologist or to study that most of the time especially the older generations they had to pick careers where it was like Um, what's going to make the most money get you like on your feet, like, you know, the quickest. And so I'm a lot hopeful for like younger BIPOC therapists because they, they they understand what it's like to live in the dualities of being like a diaspora and also living in like on a settler colony and then navigating mental health. Um, But that being said too, it's like with therapy, even if it's like somebody from your culture, and I completely understand that, which is um, I remember they had like counseling at my church growing up and I was like, I'm not going, I'm not going. Um, but like, it's just like with therapy and even with doctors, like you, especially as a BIPOC person, you really do have to shop around and like therapy is really expensive, but if you can just know the first session is usually free. You get to feel out the vibes of your therapist. And if the vibes are off, you can just like, you know, find a new therapist and you shouldn't feel like you have to stick with one. And I think that's so important too. Like even if you've like seen that person for a while and it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. And this could be the same, whether you're seeing like a bunch of white therapists, which have had the years of experience, even the white therapists with like cultural understanding, sometimes they're just not the right fit. And sometimes too, like I have friends that have white therapists and don't go to therapists that look like them and have the best kind of relationship. But I think it's really just like finding the right fit for you. And because at the end of the day, it is your mental health. It is getting um, the the help you need. And I say the same with like medical help as well, too, because especially in Canada, we don't often collect race data. So it kind of appears like we don't have a problem with racism within the healthcare industry. And when it comes to emergency situations, of course, you don't get to pick who your doctor is. But even with family doctors, you should be able to shop around. The fact that like black women are like three to four times more likely to die during childbirth is alarming. But we don't collect that kind of data. Like Farah said, we really need to be collecting this kind of information because it, is, it appears as though there's no problem when you're, when you're not recording this information. And so I think just overall, when it comes to your health, like if you're feeling like somebody's dismissing you, if you feel like uncomfortable, if you feel like you need to shop around, do it because it's your life and little things like racism will kill you literally. <laughs> um, so yeah. And another thing that I want to talk about is like when I first so I grew up in a culture where mental health wasn't even a thing like it just didn't exist and then I talked about it to my parents and they were a bit iffy about it it took them a while to like to convince them but like internally I had shame I was like why am like I was like what's wrong with me like I actually didn't get it I was actually ashamed of myself I was like why am I different like why am I the only one that's going through? Like, I just thought, like, I was completely, like, out of it. I was like, I'm different from everyone. Like, there's something wrong with me. I'm going to go nuts, whatnot. And then the first time I went, the first time that I talked to a therapist, I was really nervous. Like, other than nervous, I was, like, scared to talk about 
the things that I needed to talk about. And it was mainly because I had internal shame and like, like at the back of my head, it was like, even like, I was like, I knew it was there. I was just like, I was talking. And then I was like, there's things I want to talk about, but what if it gets like too serious? Like it was as if I was on a date. I was like, okay, let's just test the waters. And then later talk about, it's like, it's like, as um, Rose said, like, you can like, like it took me two, two to three therapists to like get the right one. But like, I remember like people just need to like, like there's so much, um resources about mental health and like empowerment and everything and like the importance but like I feel like as like I feel like there just needs to be more awareness of like empowerment within BIPOC communities like that's a that's like another thing but like as counselors I feel like they need to like I I mean they are encouraging and they're open and they're like welcoming and they like try to fit like like they they want to make you comfortable but like there's just certain people out there that just yeah I 110% agree but um not but and uh literally I was just I was just searching it right now because I it's a it's a subject that I remember taking very heavily in school um and it was something that was really it really angers me and for medical research guys I just want you to know okay that only three to four point six percent of all medical, like all medical um, research and pharmaceutical like research is done on the black community. Okay. Only 1.4 to 3.1 is done on others. And then five to 8% to Latinos. So um, I just want you to know that doesn't even add up to 10%. Um, and, uh, that 90% of research is done for the white community. They literally listed others. So I don't know. Like what, like what's others? Others is apparently not black and not Latino. So the rest of the world, apparently, um, I just have to say that I just, I, I find it really ridiculous, but that's the thing because medication affects every community very differently because we literally have different genetics and like when pharmaceuticals are administered to the community like different communities and they have completely adverse reactions and then we're shocked like why are we shocked why are we shocked you didn't research you didn't research it and your clinical trials for this community like I'm very I don't understand why we're shocked by this so my like I don't I'm very pro researching the drug on multiple different communities and clinical trials on all communities before you like release it to the entire public i you know what's really funny though is like often at times though they whenever we are accounted for in research it's like the opposite or the worst way possible not understanding how medicine even like you know when you google something and you're like rash and then you see a skin tone and you're like i don't know if that's me <laughs> you're like i don't know if that's like when you google something and you're like trying to figure out what it is but then like every picture everything is just like not a person of color so you can't even figure out what it what that is um or just understanding what like underlining conditions are more predisposed to people of color and just like there's no research on the impacts of what you know um drug a can do with somebody with like uh, more disposed to like sickle cell anemia or diabetes or this or that and granted some of these like um 
illnesses are like anybody can get it, but there are certain communities that are more predisposed to certain things. And so we definitely need to be able to see, but I think it all boils down to whiteness being treated as the norm, which is literally why other is a, is a category of people um, rather than listing who they are. Um, and that is very problematic in itself. So, yeah. But actually when you just say that, I have to say, okay, literally, okay, for respiratory ailments, in uh let's say like in most of the world almost all the research is white european centered european american centered okay and literally let's say that i am uh, a black a black um community member okay and literally because the research is almost all white only five percent of the genetic rate like traits linked to asthma in the european americans apply to african americans that's five percent that means that there's a nine percent variance in the possibility of how this medication could affect the other race or any other cultural like like anybody else of a culture different cultural background so the fact that yes we're researching it great you researched it but it, you literally did not research it for any anybody else so technically it's untested that is an untested pharmaceutical drug okay and like a hundred percent, like Rosie said, it's because white is considered the norm. And for the longest time, white was considered the norm, but in reality, it's no longer the norm. It's no longer the majority it's not even close. So why is it that we are still treating it like the majority? I, I don't understand. And then they get surprised when people have mistrust in the health. I don't know. This is going to sound like I, I'm just thinking I have never researched on any of this, but I feel like a reason that they would keep the idea that like the normal in their audience is majority consisting of um western people is because they since they have the most history or of like usage or of accessing it or able to access it they have the most demands for it because um other since other people from other races and ethnicity have a harder time assessing that makes it less their um audience kissing consisting less of those people especially when they have different like cultural beliefs as well I feel like that would have an impact on playing it with it because obviously like we said earlier the stigma that we faced before um in our own culture with like mental health there is still that gap and it's like I know there's several people I know that like cannot access mental health care or like there's such like things like therapy therapy because um for some reason, like their insurance has to like show up like that, what it's used for, right? For example, and then they, since their parents decline it, they aren't allowed to use it. And they're in a spot where like they can't access. And I think it's just stupid how hard it is to access for some people. Like it is a privilege in a way that should not be honest. It is healthcare. So I don't know. I was gonna say, I also think it's very important we highlight how often at times Western countries dismiss people of color's remedies to health issues and our ways of handling health issues because they deem them as not scientific, um, not like good, not great because it's not a Western standard of practicing. So like in each of our communities, we might have a way of practicing self-care which could alleviate mental health stresses, right? And I 100% agree that our communities haven't always been the best in making mental health at the forefront, especially when you're operating in survival mode. But it doesn't mean that we didn't have practices to ensure that we were okay or that our communities were taken care of. Each of us have come from collectivist communities and that's part of our mental health unit, right? And or the reason why it's driving you mad. But <laughs> it's like that. But another important thing too is just like the medical, how much 
um, of our medical and our practices have been deemed as like, like, like how often is like Chinese medicine deemed as like not a good thing unless you put a capitalistic value to it, right? And it's funny because they'll tell us how we practice our healthcare in our communities is wrong, but then they'll want to put a patent on it and have ownership to how you take care of yourself and then gentrify it and then put market capitalism on it and repackage it and then sell it back to you. And so I also think there's something to be said about the ways in which we have to also get in touch with our traditional um, methods of practicing health and self-care and being good to ourselves and not because whiteness is the standard, everything else is by default seen as bad, right? But there's so much to learn from where the places we're from and how our, our families have, and generations of our ancestors have practiced taking care of themselves. And we see this, we see this with a lot of indigenous groups, whether it's around the world, just how they take care of each other. So, I, I mean, even, sorry, just really quickly, even that to be said, like, the way in which the world was hoping that Africa would fail because of COVID. They were hoping that the weight of the world would just fall on Africa because of COVID, but it didn't. It didn't happen in the ways in which like the, the death numbers are still a lot lower than most Western countries. And there's so much to be said about that. And I remember watching a documentary and it said, because Africa's not you know, new to pandemics. There's been Ebola, there's malaria, there's this. So they actually have a lot of the mechanisms in place. So when COVID hit, they were able to better manage and navigate the situation a lot better. But sometimes the ways in which we practice and we do things is just deemed as like barbaric or old or, you know, not appropriate. And so it also dismisses our ability to like our own like cultural knowledge and our ability to take care of ourselves. Talking about, we're going on from medications and talking about that of like, which one is better and which is what, but I also, that is kind of, it kind of links back to Western dismissing not only just research done by them, but also voices of BIPOC, BIPOC communities. That's kind of the general theme where they dismiss their knowledge, just dismiss their history. Um, it was not just actually, you're right with the medication, like, so like their language. So like how several countries have like, lost origins of like their language how it's mixed with like English now there's like for example the uh Karen language and their um ethnicity has like lost part of its like or like origins because of colonization and I think that is so I think yeah uh I'm just gonna say that the similarity between dismissing medical research leads kind of like similarity between dismissing BIPOC voices I guess Oh, that's a hundred percent. That is that last line is a hundred percent. It 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 goes back to overall being silenced in a way for years and years and years and not being heard. Um, and I think I think in a way we're very I, I or at least I am very grateful that at least we have access to like free healthcare right now. But at this, not only am I grateful for the free healthcare, but I'm also just overall like. I really do think more representation is required. It is required immediately because we can't say that things have been tested if they technically haven't on the general public. They haven't even been tested on the majority of the human population. Um, we can't say that thing, we can't, we can't provide a, like medication to the entire world population and then tell them it was tested when it wasn't. You know what I mean? Because there have been multiple multiple medications that have actually come down to be removed from multiple country markets because they don't affect their people correctly. So 
there's definitely underrepresentation of BIPOC voices in the medical field, whether it be with mental or just, just physical like health. And I think it's really important that our voices be heard in, in that sector. I also just wanted to touch on like the intersection of like poverty, healthcare and racism. So um, another like thing that I've noticed too is like, I've, I've noticed like, so there's a lot of people when they don't have the financial means and or like, especially during this pandemic, they can't avoid like their essential workers, they have to go out. They'll have other like forms of practices of self-care as well too, right? And I know my mom has this like, COVID brew she makes and it's just like all these like herbs and stuff it's just like it's just like all those herbs and stuff like hibiscus and this and that and just these things on their own are like immunity boosting things right and my mom practices like social distance she wears her mask in fact she over sanitizes she bleaches and wipes everything down she works from home too right but I feel like and my mom's like one of the privileged few that gets to like work from home, right? But I feel like there are people who don't get that choice and they'll have at home remedies based off of things that they've been taught to help boost their immunity. And it's like immediately people deem that as like, oh, these are like fake COVID cures, da 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 da. And like, they're just like immediately deemed as though like, oh, what you're doing is so like, it's such a waste of time and what are you doing? And it's like, you're literally telling someone their culture, how they were raised to take care of themselves, especially for those who don't have the money or who have no choice to go outside are doing other things to try to make themselves feel better. Whether there's like, it's, it's not, they're not even saying that this is like going to fix the problem. I don't think they're, they're stupid, but it's just like the way in which people look down on traditional practices as well too, and how people have been managing the situation. And I feel like it's often poor, poor people who are like, not all the people that are impoverished, but it's often people who are poor and have no choice, but to be putting themselves out there day in and day out, they're doing these extra measures to take care of themselves. And instead of us addressing the issues of what's really going on within society, we demonize what they're doing and their cultural practices, um, rather than the fact that we underpay essential workers, essential workers tend to be people of color, and we treat them terribly. And so yeah, like recipes that were like passed down for like fighting like colds or just like immunity boosting so there there's this one recipe that um Sri Lankans use it's basically like it's like it's not it's like maybe a soup but it's not really because you don't eat it on its own you like you pour it on like on like curries and whatnot like I like on everything your rice your curries and everything and or you could drink on your own it's perfect for colds it has like mustard seeds um mustard black black pepper coriander seeds actual coriander and like tamarind and everything like it's just all fused into one and you basically cook it and you boil it. and then an uh, interesting thing that my mom pointed out in the beginning of the pandemic was like oh everyone's like going I think this was in a western country like oh everyone's going to like um a brown store and buying like there's prepackaged versions saying that um because like they read that's good for colds and it's good for like um like it is good for colds but like they were like oh it's good for fighting off COVID-19 so like like it, like I'm pretty like my mom was like they literally ran out of stock because of this and I'm just like and they were saying my Indian food wasn't real okay okay Actually, there's one thing I want to point out because of that, since we're talking about medical, is that talking about like um, the BIPOC community, people um, underrepresented in medical research 
and also ignoring um, other for not form but other cultures practices of healthcare. Um, it kind of reminds me if I compare these two to like capitalism, it reminds me of how there's more change in probably the what is clothing, the clothing and modeling like industries, like it is better, but it, there's a, like, a lot more prominent change in that than there's any research. Like they are not attempting to do a better step. And I think that really sucks because healthcare is, yes, I'm not saying that mental health, like that's attached to like modeling and things are not necessary, but the physical change that immediately impacts someone's life, which is like, which can be life threatening because of the side effects of certain things are not, taking into account and most of the time like most of these like are not produced in just Canada or the American states and I think I feel like the best way to like solve this is first of all educate yourself on like knowing like like everything's online just search it up like if you don't have like money or the resources to have someone do it for you do it yourself like everything's online everything's accessible and another thing is like we need to educate others and then bring awareness to them um and like to these issues because like the only way that we can get recognition for these problems because this is a serious problem it needs to gain like it needs to like like fair said like it's not even 10 percent but like like when you look at the entire world's population we're such a big majority and it needs to be addressed because like this wouldn't just help like western country it's gonna help every single country and like it's gonna it's like it just bring like it just increases inclusivity and another thing is like supporting people like just going getting therapy when they need or getting the help that they need and like there's a few resources that the car the canadian government actually gives um there's one called mind beacon it's completely free if you're a canadian citizen and you can get a therapist and you can just talk to them but um it's not like an actual therapy session but it's more on like stress meditation like there's there's different categories but like there are resources that are free that the government provides it's just it doesn't have the recognition it needs uh go off topic just a little bit too is like data is so is gold it's key right it's so key and i remember one time being at a dinner party and there's this man who was our consultant for a job um and he made a statement and he was like oh you know, Africans are just not educated at all. And I was like, excuse me? He goes, yeah, like Africans aren't educated. It's fact, da, 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 da. He's like, I'm a researcher and I do this, 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 and that. And I was like, part of the reason why there's not a lot of people on the continent that can fulfill those jobs is also because of brain drain, right? But also just because of far, far bigger issues, but also not educated by white European standards shouldn't be the marker for educated. But I, when I was a kid, I knew I wanted to get into research and I knew I wanted to get into research because I used to hate the commercials, the World Vision commercials. And I was like, oh, this upsets me. And I think there's something to be said about people of color working within the spaces of research because we really are able to catch where we are not seen, right? And that's one of why like, I do research. And every time I'm like, even in like a meeting with a consultant, I'm always pre presenting different perspectives. And it's so important for us to 
to also work within these spaces because that's the they're not going to do for us it doesn't benefit them to look out for us and so we have to find ourselves within these fields within these industries as well too so we can represent ourselves as well as other people so we can be thoughtful because they're not going to think about how drug a impacts community b if it's not their communities and so you know, if you're young and you're listening to this and you're thinking, what can you do? Research is a, is a great field as well, too, because that's how we get accounted for. That's how our voices get heard. And with research, there's so many, it's like a huge umbrella. You can do any kind of research environment and the intersectionality between environment and race and gender and gender identities and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then it could be mental health and it could be governance and politics and policies. And there's so many different facets of it. And so, yeah, like, like less than 10% of the of the health data is so sad, but we also need to be in these rooms. And so, yeah, that's my little two cents. <laughs>